Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. Thank you, Sheila. That was wonderful. I would like you to uh, say good morning, everybody around you. Quickly say hi. There we go. Say hi to those people online. This is the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. We're glad you're here. Uh, we have one more song for the prelude this morning. Um, and it's a song about being grateful. You will be invited to join in. We're glad that you're here. Welcome to Trinity. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, okay, I just wanted to check and make sure the mic was on. I know it's early in the morning to sing, maybe, but you only have to sing thank you. And Jenna's going to help you with that. It's like this. Thank you. 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 Keep going. I am grateful. 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 My heart wide open. I am grateful. With every step I take. I am my pleasure to welcome you to Trinity this morning and uh, to welcome Pastor Chelsea Globe. Chelsea Globe is with Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Washington, here to share a message with us and some information about her ministry. Um, let's see, we have the green, bright green flyer today that has your order of worship and announcements on it. Everything that you need for the service will be projected, all of the songs and the litany and everything. If it is comfortable, I invite you to stand. <clears throat> Gathered together, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn this morning, Dancing at the Harvest. Refrain, we sing it twice, as it repeats every time, and then there'll be some call and response in there. So if you see some funny little squealy spots, that's where I sing, and then the other words, that's where you sing. All right, here we go. <clears throat>
with our responsive litany, the words will be projected for us. Married, divorced, or single here? It is one Conservative or liberal here? We all got a little here. Big or small here? There's room for us all here. Doubt or believe here? We can all receive here. Gay or straight here? There's no gay here. Woman or man here? Whatever your race here. For all of us race here. In imitation of the ridiculous love the Almighty God has for each of us and all of us. Because mine is the church. I love that one. <laughs> um, so join us in our hymn of praise. Let us put on the clothes of Christ. In here, so have it. <laughs> with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, you resist those who are proud and give grace to those who are humble. Give us the humility of your Son, that we may embody the generosity of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ellen is going to come forward and read our lesson for us.
The reading this morning is from the second chapter of Philippians. If then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the Spirit, and any tender and affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human. The word of the Lord. So I wrote this little song because there was a moment when I realized that love is always here. It's just, it just awaits my recognition and openness to it. And so it's just a reminder that it's always there for us. surrounds me may my mind stay open to the light that constantly surrounds me may my eyes stay open to the life may my eyes stay open to the life may, may my eyes stay open to the life that constantly surrounds me to the truth that constantly surrounds me. May my mind stay open to the truth that constantly comes to me. May my mind stay open to the truth. May my mind stay open to the truth. May, May my, my mind stay open to, to the, the truth, truth that constantly comes to constantly flows through me may my heart stay open to the love that constantly flows through me may my heart stay open to the love may my heart stay open to the love may my heart stay open to the love that constantly flows through stand for the gospel? Yes, let's do it. Okay. The Holy Gospel according to the 14th chapter of Luke. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. 
and the host and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored by the, in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, <clears throat> when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not just invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. As Deacon Amy said, I'm Pastor Chelsea Globe, and I serve as the pastor for Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, do we have any Huskies in the house? I assumed there would, there would be some here. I'm sure there's lots of other great schools uh, also represented out here, right? I always get someone who goes, go Cougs, in the background when I say that. Uh, but let me reassure you, all of our, uh, most of our state schools, and even indeed state schools around the country, have some Lutheran campus ministry presence going on. So if you know a young person headed to school this fall, please make sure that you refer them to their Lutheran campus ministry, because that's how we find people, is through you and these communities. So how many of you knew about that there was Lutheran campus ministry at UW? Okay, good, a good representation there, that's great. Uh, there has been some kind of Lutheran ministry to students at UW since there has been a UW. So it goes way back, of course, it's had lots of different iterations and versions of that over the years. Sometimes it's been connected to a congregation, sometimes not. Um, right now, we've been through a lot of changes in the last couple of years. Uh, the ministry used to own a building near campus, and they bought that building in the 60s with nine other denominations and the, the spirit of ecumen ecumenism that was going on then. And uh, slowly, all those other denominations uh, started pulling out of that building and um, pretty soon it was just the Lutherans left holding the bag and couldn't quite maintain it and keep it up so they decided to sell it which is great with real estate prices in Seattle um, but uh, and then they also had a pastor leave around that time and some transition and yes some conflict happened a little, that never happens in churches though right never no yeah there's a little conflict um, going on with with the board and the Episcopal ministry they're partnered with and at the time, the bishop said, you know what, why don't we just have a fallow year? Some time for this ministry to uh, not be active and just let these things play out. Um, so they got out of the building. They figured out what to do next. They had some time with, where they just weren't having ministry. And then um, I came along. <clears throat> And I had been uh, serving as a parish pastor in Federal Way, Washington, for five years. Um, I, I'm from the area. I grew up in Edomclaw, Washington, um, so I've always lived in the Sound. And uh, they said, hey, why don't you come be interim for campus ministry at UW? Um, I live in West Seattle, so it was, it was a good fit there. By the way, we have no building and no students and really nothing happening. Oh, and it's November 2020, so COVID. And, and go. <laughs> so um, it was a challenge, but it has been so much fun. Um, I've found students mostly through congregational referrals. Um, then as this last year happened, we were able to actually get on campus. Um, we partnered up with University Lutheran Church, who is just north of campus, and now we're sharing space with them. I have a little office, and we use their big fellowship lounge area every Wednesday night for meals, and congregation members bring dinners. Um, it's just really fabulous. Um, have a little group of students that come, and my goal is just to create a space for them to create a community. 
a community that cares for each other within the giant community that is University of Washington, and a space to have these conversations about religion and spirituality that there's just not a lot of space for on campus. Um, and, and to be an alternative to some of the larger uh, evangelical Christian groups on campus. Um, and so my, my goal is to be a place where everyone knows that they're welcome, that, that God's grace is real and for them, and to love them no matter what. And it's working, it's going. So it's a very, very um, exciting time there in campus ministry. If you want to hear more, um, I've got a table set up in your gym for your coffee hour. Um, I've got stuff to take away, some pens and swag. Um, I also accept donations because we are a self-supporting ministry of the, the Northwest Washington Synod. So uh, if you feel moved to give, um, Pastor Jim is one of our biggest supporters. Uh, so it was very exciting to come here to his congregation. But uh, let's see, maybe, maybe someone here can match him in his generosity. That's a challenge. I just put out there for you. <laughs> so it's funny, I wrote this sermon that was all about hospitality and how to do it. And you guys are like already doing all of it. <laughs> from the moment I walked, from the moment I got here yesterday, no, before that, my husband and two small kids and I were staying in Pastor Jim and Felicia's house. So there's hospitality for you. Amy met me here at the church yesterday and showed me around and, and then took us to the house to get us all settled in. You have people with name tags at the door. You have a volunteer table. It's like, okay, what, they, they know how to do hospitality. What am I going to say to you all about hospitality? So some of this might be a little preaching to the choir, uh, but maybe we'll get some, some new ideas here going as well. So my job, as you can tell, it's just, I love it. It is just the best thing. I have so much fun. I love meeting these students and young people and meeting them where they are in their journey. And um, it's really fun because I get to be supportive. Uh, I get to be creative. I just have ideas and then I do them and bring the students along and it's so fun. Um, I get to support them and, and do some pastoral care with them. I get to visit congregations and, and do preaching and worship and those pieces that I love. But the biggest part of my job, over everything else, the most important thing in my job is hospitality. That is what I am doing more than anything else in my role as campus pastor. And it's something I think about a lot with my students even with how I, I set up the space where they're coming. I know that they're walking some from all the way across campus, which, you know, is like two miles <laughs> in Utah. So I make sure that I have signage that tells them where they need to go and how to get in and a table I set up uh, to welcome them into that space and signs where to go. Uh, things like that, that, that contribute to that hospitality. I want them to when they arrive, make sure that they know it's a space where they can be themselves, where they can let go of the pressures of being a student, because there's a lot of pressure to be a student these days, uh, different than when I was in college 20 years ago. And, and at UW, it is this pressure cooker. They go there to get that degree and be in that program, but man, it is, it is really tough. So my goal is to be a place where they can just immediately feel welcome and they can set all that down. That's also why we serve a meal, a homemade meal, made by a member of University Lutheran or, or other local congregations. And the students just love having a homemade meal for them. It's why I have lots of snacks that I put out on the table for them to take home or easy meals like mac and cheese. I have free Bibles, free COVID tests. I even have a box of free condoms. <laughs> Just things like that that, go, you, that a student might need in their life. And I want to show them that we, as a church, care about them. We care about their experience and their lives, and we want to provide for that. And hospitality, of course, isn't just important in campus ministry. It's part of what we all do in the church. I'd venture to say that hospitality is the most important thing we do as a church. It's more important than having the right theology. 
It's more important than arguing about the kinds of music we have, though you have amazing music here, my goodness. I'd almost say it's even more important than preaching the gospel because it is living the gospel when we provide hospitality. And in the New Testament, Jesus provides example after example and story after story about how to welcome, help, feed, and heal the stranger and the outcast. Hospitality. It is at the heart of what we are called to do as followers of Christ. And I think as churches, we often assume that we're good at hospitality. And some are better than others, for sure. We welcome people in. We give them a bulletin or something that directs them in the service. We put out coffee. And, and if you're lucky, if it's a good day, some cookies and maybe some banana bread or something. And that's good hospitality, right? But our gospel story today shows us that hospitality goes much deeper than that. So we're going to look at this parable that Jesus tells Take a closer look and see if we can pick up what Jesus is showing us here about hospitality as a Christian community. So the very first thing we notice, it starts with an invitation. When you are invited to a wedding banquet, he says. We in the church are usually pretty good at welcoming people once they get here. But are we always so good at inviting them? I think often in our quest, especially as, as ELCA Lutherans, we don't want to be mistaken for, for one of those churches, you, you know what I mean, that, you know, will say, come to my church and be baptized and hear about fire and brimstone. And, you know, we don't want to be that. So I think we get a little bit stuck on how to invite and we often shy away from talking about the role of faith in our lives and inviting our friends to come to church with us. But how do our friends and the people around us, how will they know they are welcome here if they're not invited? It's one thing to put up a sign that says all are welcome or come as you are. But people wonder, does that really mean me? This also reflects a shift that's happening in our social structures and our institutions in general. People used to join groups because that's what you did. And if you knew other people were going there and you knew those people and, and you trusted, it was a good place to be. I've noticed you have a lot of the, the, the clubs and lodges on the building as we drive through town. You got the Eagles and, and the uh, veterans and we kept going up north. I was like, man, they just have a lot of those. And I even mentioned that in my sermon. But we, those used to be the places and churches, right, that people used to come to and find community. And they knew that they could go there and be safe and be welcome. Now, not so much. A lot of people have been burned by these institutions too often, being left out or kicked out if they didn't conform to specific standards of behavior and lifestyle. We don't so much as a society trust the institutions that once gave our elders so much meaning, where they found community and belonging and acceptance. So this means that now, the invitation is that much more important. Like I said, it's not enough to just say all are welcome out on a sign. It takes a personal invitation from someone you know and trust to know, oh, this is a place that I can go, where I belong, where I might fit in. Now, the honest truth is that some churches have some work to do before they can do a good job of inviting. Some of our communities have the have some stuff they need to sort out and heal before they can be a place that is truly ready to welcome new people. I don't think that's the case with you all from what I've seen here so far this Sunday or even watching your YouTube worship services. I can tell this is a place 
that is genuinely warm and friendly and welcoming. And I think you'd probably agree with that, yes? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I think that's something to think, think about, even in a thriving, healthy church community like this. Think, are there aspects of your communal life together that maybe aren't particularly inviting to new people? Are there ways of doing things that we should look at through the eyes of a newbie and adjust? Or is there a personal invitation out there that you could make to invite someone to come be part of what's happening here and the amazing community that you're creating? Because this goes into our, our second lesson on hospitality that Jesus gives us today. Hospitality is not about you. Hospitality is not about the person showing or giving hospitality. I mean, this seems so simple and, and obvious even, right? But I think we sometimes forget that. I think we sometimes get wrapped up in the show of hospitality. Think about throwing a dinner party and you want to have the right linens and the right plates and the beautiful Pinterest-worthy place settings. Now, there's nothing wrong with all of that. I love to do that kind of thing, too. That can be a piece of hospitality when we have something that says, I've made an effort to, to welcome you, and you are worth the effort of creating something beautiful. But I think it can trick us into getting too focused on being pretty and nice, which is really about making ourselves look good, not about the guest's experience. Hospitality, Jesus tells us in this story, is about putting the needs of others first. Don't worry about yourself and your stuff, he says. This isn't about you. In a practical sense for congregations, this means that we, we can't be too tied to our usual way of doing things especially if they are getting in the way of welcoming our neighbors and our friends. Yes, we all have opinions on how things should be done or how things should look, the way things should go, and these are things that we like and we appreciate about our church. But if these things are the priority, at the expense of making room for newcomers, if we put our needs as hosts, above the needs of our guests, then we're not doing hospitality. It also means that we need to create and be a space where we can have brave and vulnerable conversations with each other. Nice just isn't going to cut it in Christian community. We have to acknowledge the hardships we each face that are different in each of our lives and share those with our community and trust that those will be held by this community. That's where this piece about humility comes in, in this gospel text. We have to let go of our egos a bit. That ego that wants to put on a good show, make sure everyone thinks we know what we're doing, we have all our ducks in a row, we got to let that go and be real with each other. We have to listen to each other. We have to share our highs and our lows, our hopes and our fears. True hospitality, Jesus shows us, goes beyond just being nice or polite or pretty to real relationship. Starting with those who are already in our community, already at the table. Thirdly, Jesus' story teaches us that true hospitality means being willing to give up your space or place at the table when necessary. Now, this is not the same thing as having your place at the table taken from you. That's injustice. That's a whole other piece of the conversation that's really important here. But when you are in a position to choose a place, to choose to show up, to be in leadership, to be a decision maker, to be part of the, the norm or the accepted group, which 
let's face it, those of us who identify as white, straight Christians, like, yeah, we're in. Hospitality means willingly giving up that place of privilege and power to make space for those who have not had the same access to the table. In a church, that means putting your own preferences aside to try something new. And that means when a new person comes and and sits in your pew, you go sit somewhere else rather than shoo them off. I have seen that happen. Right? Crazy. It means seeking out people who are different from yourself in age or race or nationality or religious background and finding out what they need from a church community. How can this be a place that is more comfortable and welcoming for them? And it means being able to discern what is truly important in our life together as a church and what is not. And then to act accordingly. Lutheran pastors often use the phrase adiaphora. I wasn't going to say this, but now it's, I'm, here we go. Okay. Uh, so the, the thing you learn in, in seminary from the, the reformers' writings, when they argued about how to reform the church and what they should do and what new practices should be, and this term adiaphora means it's extra, it doesn't matter. So they decided, there were some things they said, that's not central. That's not central to the gospel. It's not central to our life as a church together. It's adiaphora. That's what each congregation has to do. We have to look at what is essential in our work together, what's adiaphora, and let that go. And those adiaphora things might be things that some of us hold really dear. And that's the hard part. The last lesson Jesus teaches us about hospitality in this text is when you send out the invitation Make sure you cast a wide net. We can't assume that we know who needs to be invited, who needs to be fed at the table of God's mercy and love, or literally fed with a meal and warm community. Jesus reminded his followers to invite those who were outcasts, who were on the margins of society in his time, those who were considered not appropriate company for a nice dinner party. And that's who he asked us to invite when we set the table in his name here on Sundays and any other time that we gather in his name. Not the people we think might be good church members who we're already comfortable with, who maybe can help boost the budget, help keep us going. But we are called to invite also those who might not even have any idea yet that they need to be here. And who we might not yet realize that we need to have here to add their unique voice and perspective to this table. In all this work of hospitality, this important work that we are called to do together as the church, there's really one very, very, very important thing we have to remember as we go about this. We aren't really the hosts. Jesus is the host. Every week, every time we gather, Jesus sets a table here for us. The outcasts, the sinners, the rich and the poor, the powerful and the powerless, the in crowd and the outcasts. And then Jesus feeds us all with his very soul, his very self. No matter our seat at the table, our role in the church, or our standing in society. At Jesus' dinner party, we are all equally invited and included. And we are all equally fed, forgiven, called, and sent to provide that same generous, lavish hospitality to all that we encounter. Amen. Amen. Oh, I want to take a picture of you all just to show Jim that I, I was here. <laughs> so everybody... Everybody wave, wave, okay? I'm going to do it this time.
Thank you, Pastor Chelsea. You can never hear that word of welcome and hospitality too often. Thank you very much. Um, you are welcome to sing along on this song, a song by David Roth. I'll sing a little introduction for you and then join me when it's time. I stand for love, I stand for peace, I stand for joy and for release, for what is beautiful and true. I stand for hope, I stand for you. Sing along. I stand for love, I stand for peace, I stand for joy and for release. What is beautiful and true I stand for hope I stand for you You know our world is in great pain She needs our loving care again But there are those who fail to see What we have done And what we need there is a cost for every act And now there is no turning back We burn a bridge, we bang a drum It's time to rise, the time has come To stand for love, to stand for peace To stand for joy and for relief what is beautiful and true to stand for hope to stand for you if you're thinking it's not urgent that we've got more time to kill if i'm not the one who'll change things then for heaven's sake who I will climb that mountain one step at a time I won't be swayed I will not stop until we made it to the top where we will stand for love and peace we'll stand for joy and for release for what is stand for hope, we'll stand for you, for what is beautiful and true, I stand for hope, I stand for you. We lift our hearts now to God in prayer. Ellen will lead us in the prayers, and we have a sung response. Carl will introduce that and walk us through. I invite you to stand. I'll sing this response once for you, and then please join me. It's brand new today, so um, sing it with me, and then once after there. each the petition of the prayers. Trusting your word, hear our prayer, O God. Please sing. Humbly we call, trusting your word. 
trusting your word. Hear our prayer, O God. God, our help and our hope, hear us as we bring our prayers to you. Loving God, open our hearts to let mutual love flow among all of your people, whether known or unknown to us. Let us not neglect to show hospitality in sharing with and caring for all who are poor, imprisoned, or tortured in body or soul. In humility, we call to you. Humbly we call, trusting your word, hear our prayer, O God. Guarding God, humble the hearts of those who wield international, national, and local power. Guide them and us all to the path of leadership which demonstrates compassion, generosity, and thoughtful justice that frees us all from hatred and violence, that we may bring an end to conflicts and bring restoration and wholeness to all concerned. In humility, we call to you. Humbly we call, trusting your word. Refresh the spirits of those afflicted by serious illness or critical life circumstances, and lift the energies of all who give support. Be with those who are nearing death or grieving the loss of a loved one. We now lift, either aloud or in silence, the name of those in need. In humility, we call to you. Humbly we call, trusting your word, hear our prayer. Nurturing God, guide your people to steward this grand creation so that it might sustain all people throughout their lives for generations to come. Be with those who experienced food insecurity, homeless, hope, homelessness, and other hardships as a result of natural disasters and unfortunate decisions beyond their control. In humility, we call to you. Gracious God, we give thanks for our many blessings. In the midst of trials, we do sing praises as we bring these prayers to you. And all the people of God say, Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please turn and share a greeting of peace with your neighbor. Thank you. Thank you for your exuberant show of hospitality this morning and those wonderful greetings of peace. I feel like I'm in front of my middle school kids right now. <laughs> well, settle down. Thank you. <laughs> so remember, after worship, we can continue into the gym or out into the courtyard today. It's a beautiful day for uh, 
wonderful coffee hour and time of fellowship together. Lots of goodies in the gym, fresh coffee ready for you. Um, thank you again, Pastor Chelsea, for being here this morning. And as another show of hospitality, we want you to know <laughs> you're a part of the group. So we have our friendly thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so now you can match Carl and Dinah and <laughs> a couple other people in the pews. Um, and for those of you who do not yet have your t-shirts, they are available um, in the office, Northex area, after worship. Remember, they're $12 each or the fantastic deal of two for $25. Um, let's see, a thank you this morning to Kaylin Murray and Carol Ganaway for the beautiful altar flowers. I believe they're worshiping from home, so thank you, Carol and Kaylin, for those. If you are interested in joining the bell choir this year, Sheila is going to be heading up a new bell choir effort meeting at 9.15 in the Fireside Room. So if you have any interest in that, if you'd like to learn more about it, head on down to the Fireside Room after worship this morning for a meeting about the new bell choir. Uh, we have a new photo of our tiny house ministry. The tiny house is going up in Langley. Coming together, look at that. It's starting to look like a house. <laughs> With our fantastic crew there. So uh, remember, you can drive by that anytime. It's in Langley, just across from the community center, the old middle school. Um, really great to see that notice coming the together. Shirts. Notice the shirts. And notice the shirts, yes. <laughs> Uh, so let's see, there's a sign-up sheet out on the Narthex table for the 4x4 four four dinner groups. This is an opportunity for you to get to know some other members of the church more closely, share your own hospitality, and enjoy the hospitality of others as we uh, enjoy time together. So September 11th is just a couple of weeks away. That is our rally day, the day that we are coming back together. Uh, we move to worship services at 8 and 10.30, so you're all good here at the 8 o'clock service. Just keep showing up at 8. Uh, on that rally day, we will have cinnamon rolls after the first service, and after the second service at about 11.30, we will have a big barbecue here. Uh, we've got a, a barbecue food truck coming in to do great burgers and hot dogs. There is a sign-up sheet out there just to kind of give us an idea of how many people are coming. If you can sign up out there, that would help prepare for that. And if you would like to bring a side dish or dessert for that lunch, you are welcome to do so. Uh, so that is also the day, September 11th. Sunday school starts up. That will be during the 1030 worship service. Adult education is going to be between services at 915. Our Hearts Together Ladies uh, Bible Study group will start that next Monday, the 12th. We'll be meeting down in the Fireside Room at 10 every Monday. Uh, Bible study, Arnie Bergstrom and I are working together on Bible study this year, so that will be Wednesday mornings at 10, we'll be back on campus. Lots of great things happening, so there's flyers, there's uh, those trifold pamphlets, so you can keep up to date with all the good things, and a new uh, Christian Ed calendar on the bulletin board in the gym. I've laid out the whole month of September, so you can make sure that you can fill in those things on your calendar. Okay, I feel like that was a lot. Anything else this morning? Just have to say thanks to Dinah and Stephen and Jana for the wonderful extra music today. Wonderful music. <laughs> wonderful music this morning. Thank you. So we continue our service with singing together the Lord's Prayer. I invite you to stand if it's comfortable.
as you prepare to leave this place and head out into your own lives of ministry and hospitality in this world, I invite you to receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Our sending hymn this morning is The Blessing. for it. This is a repeat of what you just heard. The Lord bless you and keep you. It repeats quite a number of times, but I'm thinking that most of us have places within us where we can take that in more deeply. The Lord is blessing us. So may the Lord bless you, but the Lord is in this moment blessing us. God's presence is with us. We're not just asking, we're affirming it is with us. His favor is upon us. Please sing with the amens when they come up. I will signal you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord bless you and keep you Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. children make your family and your and a thousand generations and your children and your children and their children and their children Presence go before you and behind you 